welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 172, Add a Little Murder, an interview with Patricia Bradley coming to you on Thursday, January 2nd, 2020. Well, first off, I just have to say, that's the first time I've said 2020 <laughs> out loud, like it's a real time. Ah. New Year's. I just love it. The, every year I'm like, wow, how is it this number? How is it this number? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that um, books had, you know, 2000 something not very far into the future as futuristic books. But here we are living in our future. <laughs> anyway, it's December 31st as I'm recording this. So I have all of these, uh, you know, funny, interesting, weird thoughts in my mind about time and relativity and time-space continuum. Yeah. No, I haven't been watching any Star Trek, though I did see Star Wars, and that was really fun. It's always good to see a Star Wars movie at Christmas. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to say Happy New Year to you. As I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the last two weeks of this year, I'm playing Encore episodes. So this episode is actually from June of 2018. I wanted to play a couple of my favorite episodes during the last two weeks so that I could have a little bit more time to celebrate the holidays with my friends and my husband, uh, but also give you some really interesting and good, really good interviews and um, far enough back that you might not have heard them before or you might not have heard them them for, you know, a year and a half. <laughs> I can't believe this is now the beginning of my third year, my third year podcasting. I love it. I'm so excited. I hope you're loving it too. So in addition to Happy New Year to you, and I hope you are getting over your sugar coma, which I fully expect to have a sugar coma uh, at least one more time before <laughs> I get back to work uh, next week. Um, I hope that you are thinking about all the things that you want to write and what you're going to do with your year. You got a whole new blank slate in front of you. So do I. And um, in my mind, I've already like filled it with enough to do for like three years. <laughs> so I have to go back and think through, all right, what, what am I really going to be able to do? What do I really, really want to do more than anything else? Um, I really like the idea of making plans that you can succeed at. I like the idea of having goals that are just a fraction too far away so that you really have to push yourself and you get further than you would have otherwise if you had had a lesser goal. But I like having plans. See the difference between goals and plans? I like having plans that I can succeed at. I need to see success in my life. And part of the reason in episode one that I talked about the Dunn Journal, which I really recommend that you listen to the episode if you haven't and consider creating a Dunn Journal for yourself this year, is because I needed to be able to go back and see, okay, well, maybe I didn't hit some of my goals, but holy cow, I succeeded in getting a lot of really great stuff done. And I think it's really important for us. I think it's important for the way our brains are wired, you know, to see success and go, oh, okay, then more of that, more of that. That's good. Um, it's, it's not a good feeling to get to the end of the year and be thinking to yourself, I didn't do some of the things I wanted to do. Um, I think that it starts off the new year on kind of a more negative foot than we need to have if we just went back. So you've got some time. I mean, it's only the second day of the year. Go back and look and see what you did accomplish this year. 
Don't necessarily compare it against uh, the goals that you had for this last year, but what did you actually get done? Because it was probably more than you thought, and that will give you some great positive energy and forward momentum as you get ready to do the new year and depending on how you look at it, new decade. <laughs> There's an argument for both. I totally get it. Anyway, it's always fun to put um, put a new number in that third spot. So going from 2019 to 2020 just feels like we made a jump and it's exciting. And also my whole thing about 2020 is I think about 2020 vision as being clear vision. So for me this year, I want to be thinking about my life and my work life in terms of having a clear vision. So if you haven't been thinking about what kind of word is going to motivate you or inspire you or help you to stay on target with your goals this year, um, if you can't think of anything else, feel free to take my word, clear vision. I think it's going to be um, really helpful because I'm going to be restarting some things. I'm going to be going back and redoing some things, making them better. And I'm going to be doing some more new things. Uh, so many, so many exciting plans, but I will tell you more about them later. Right now, what you need to be thinking about is murder. Yes. This is a great, great interview. I love it. It's one of my favorites, which is why it's the Encore episode today. Um, Patricia Bradley is just the sweetest woman. And when she starts out her interview with, I love to talk about murder. It's so fun. You're just like, okay, hold on. I have to stop and really pay attention to this interview because like, that's an interesting thing to say. Uh, also, the reason why it's one of my favorite episodes is because she gives so many great tips. Just the way that she talks about her own process and how she develops the villain and um, tries to get you as far into the book as possible without being able to figure out who done it. Uh, they were great ideas, great ideas. In fact, some of them, I was thinking, you know, I could use that even when I'm not doing a murder mystery. I could still use that kind of a tactic in my writing. So I hope that you uh, get a ton out of this. It's obviously one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> I hope that you have a fabulous beginning to your new year. I hope you're feeling excited. And on Sunday, we will have our first Encouraging Words episode of the year. Uh, remember, I'm always doing an encouraging... Er, I'm doing... See? Sugar. It's, this is sugar. I can't talk. <laughs> I'm doing the first Encouraging Words episode on Sunday of the new year, but always the first Sunday of the month is when I do an Encouraging Words episode. It's one of my favorites. I just like, um, I like thinking about things that encourage me so that I feel motivated and inspired. And I love sharing that with other people so that I can help you to feel motivated, inspired, and just feel good about yourself in your life. So look for that on Sunday. Meanwhile, here's the interview with Patricia. You're going to enjoy this episode. I can't wait to hear what you think. If you try something new or something that she suggests, uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you're, what you're thinking, what you got out of it. And check out the new book, Justice Betrayed. I just finished it a couple days ago, and it was really interesting. It took me a long time to even narrow down uh, the people that I thought maybe was the one who'd done it. And then I was wrong, which is great. I love being wrong instead of being like, yeah, I figured that out 75 pages ago, right? So check out the book. It was really fun to read. And now here we go with the interview with Patricia Bradley. Today's guest is Patricia Bradley. 
Patricia is the multi-award winning author of her new book, Justice Betrayed, book three in the Memphis Cold Case series, as well as the author of the Logan Point series. She is co-founder of Aiming for Healthy Families Incorporated, and she is a member of American Christian Fiction Writers and Romance Writers of America. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad to have you here. I, I'm excited to have um, somebody on the show talking about murder. Uh, oh, I love cult murder. It's just <laughs> fun. <laughs> you, well, know, you kill all of your anxieties, your your people that have crossed you. <laughs> you can just do a lot with that. You know, you've got me thinking now. People yeah. who listen to my podcast regularly know that I've been uh, struggling with some stuff. And maybe I should just start killing people in my books. Get uh, it out. It, it's very very, very relieving. <laughs> nice. I have to be careful with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I have to admit, one of the things that I did at first when um, you and I started connecting is I went to your website, of course. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of people do. Um, and let me just say it. It's, is it ptbradley.com? Yep. That's okay. easy. Okay, There's a good. couple of ways to get there, but that's the easiest. Oh, okay, good, good. Well, when we get to the end, you can remind yeah. everybody again. Okay. Uh, and I love your tagline at the top. It looks all nice and sweet. Where love and faith cross paths, and then it's ellipsis with murder. Right. <laughs> People look at me, or they who know me, and and they say, "I cannot believe that you kill people in your books." <laughs> yeah. I said, be careful, don't make me mad. <laughs> so tell us, how did you get started? Um, I mean, you know, I, I look at you for anybody who's watching on the YouTube version. Um, you're just a sweet, nice looking person. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you got into murder. <laughs> uh, that's what I always read. And so that would be natural what I would do. I tried writing just plain, sweet romances, but it was very hard to get them together. It's much easier to kill them. <laughs> So, but I, I started writing. Only reason I was thirty-five before I ever started writing, okay. and uh, and I, that was only because I couldn't sleep at night. And this man, one night, I'm laying there with my eyes open and I'm staring at the ceiling, and all of a sudden, this man pops in my vision. And in the background, you can see smokestacks. He's standing at a window, and you see these black smokestacks billowing black smoke. And then he turns and he looks at me and he says, I never meant for my life to turn out this way. <gasps> that was the first time that I ever in my life had a story come to me. I mean, oh. I never thought about writing. Yeah. I, I was always a reader. I've read every book I could get my hands on. And it, it, if I had not, if I had been able to sleep, I probably wouldn't be writing today. <laughs> right. Wow. So did you end up writing that story? Not yet. Oh. <laughs> I told my I told the stories, but by the time I was ready, I, I had to learn the craft to a degree, and so I started out with short stories. And um, I noticed Woman's World had guidelines, and this was back before they were a national, and and it said twenty five hundred words. So of course I sent forty five hundred words. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the editor loved the story, and she cut it. I mean, and then that was a, what I would say a God thing. I mean, most of the time you get that if you send some, if you spend twice what they want, 
usually they send it back by return mail. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, there was just something in that, but I think that was meant as an encouragement to me to keep going. It was the very first thing I wrote. Wow. So and it was, it just amazed me. And then thinking, looking back, it, after all the years since then, it really amazes me yeah. that she bought that story. Wow. And then you kept writing for them for a little while? I did. Uh, it was several years in between because, uh, you know, it, it, short story ideas are really difficult for me. I mean, you get big ideas, but to be able to write, I mean, at this point, it's 2,000 words. And then yeah. it's 1,500 words. And it's very hard to tell a story. But I did learn that writing short stories told me how to make every word count. And even now, I'm probably what they would call a lean writer. I don't give a lot of descriptions. I, I give enough for the settings that you know where it is and I bring in things. But I'm, I'm not eloquent, I will say that. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, I mean, as... As a reader, I will say that um, I quite enjoyed it. So I just read your, your brand new book, uh, Justice, uh, make sure I have the right title, Justice yeah. Betrayed, because this is the third Justice book, right? Right. Okay. So um, I was reading it, and I have to say that I loved that there wasn't too much description that I didn't feel I needed, because then it makes the pace just feel faster. It does. And, and then, too, I mean, when I read, I have my own, I mean, if I know where it is, then I know what it looks like. And, and then, but if, if I don't know where it is, I want just enough to give me a flavor of the town or the city or the setting. And, but then I want to make, take it and make it my own. Right. And I think that's what most readers want to do. Yeah. Same yeah. with characters. I give enough of a description and thankfully they did not put this uh, on the cover. There are not people. Right. And because, because, I think people get their own idea of what they want people to look like. Yeah. Yeah. When I do my romance covers, sometimes I'm just thinking there has got to be another way to do this besides mm -hmm. to have the people on, but then I'll be like, okay, well, you know what? In my mind, I sort of have an idea of who the people in my next book kind of look like, but just for a minute, I'm just going to go look and find a photo I actually like, and I'll just make them look like that. <laughs> well, that, that, that actually, I'm writing Scrivener. Oh, and yeah. so I have over on the left-hand side, I have a photo of my character. Yeah. So that way, because I, I do go look, find an actress or even a catalog person who looks like, but a lot of times an actress, then you can go and see a clip and you can see their actions and it just kind of helps solidify that character in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I've got um, the fellow who played the, um, he was kind of the main character, I guess, in Oh boy, what's that motorcycle drama my husband likes so much? Sons of Anarchy. Um, oh, yeah. That really cute guy, Charlie Hunnam or something like that. I, I have a picture of him smiling and not looking scary as yeah. uh, one of my characters. And I have Angie Harmon because she's oh, just adorable. He is. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun when you can yeah. uh, help yourself to. Right. Yeah, it, to get your own visual. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. it. it 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 kind of fits the the photographs I find fit their personalities. Yeah. So that helps you to remember kind of if they're snarky, then you need to, but they can't be too snarky. Most of the time my editor makes me go back and make my heroine more, more likable because oh. I, I may, I write independent uh, char women characters 
Yeah. And a lot of times I make them just a little bit too much, too independent. <laughs> Maybe a little too snarky. Uh, well, I really liked the woman in this story. Now, is it the same for this particular series? This is the Memphis cold case series. Right. Is it the same group of police officers who are solving all these cases? Uh, actually, these are, uh, I will take a character from one book and make the next book theirs. Uh, and then and then I'll bring in a new character. Uh, Rachel was in Justice Buried, the one set at the Pink Palace. And Boone was in there on just a sentence or two about him. But Rachel was in it quite a bit. So I just brought her on over and gave her her story. Or rather, she demanded it. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing as a reader that I quite liked is that by the time I got to the second or third reference of, is it the Pink Palace? That's what you said? Right. Then I was like, okay, this must have happened in book one or two. I'm going to have to read about it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the Pink Palace is a... A museum now. Uh, the man who started the Piggly Wiggly stores built it, and then before he ever finished it, it went bankrupt and it defaulted to the city. And they made a museum out of it. And it's I, growing up, I spent Sundays there. Yeah, just roaming the. They, they at that point you could roam the halls. Now, I, well, you can't again now, but. It, it then you go to school and you have to go single file, which that was it's like, I've been here. Now I know where I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your process. You know, our listeners are probably beginning and intermediate. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly where people are in their career, but uh, let's just say somebody's thinking, yeah, I'd like to write a murder mystery or, and do you, are your books classified as mystery? Is that the right genre? They're, they're romantic suspense, which romantic. Is, falls into the the mystery. There are there is always a mystery, but also the the characters and usually the female is very is she's in jeopardy. Okay. So and um, I'm starting a new book right now that will be set in Natchez, Mississippi, and okay. I had only been to I've only been there four hours and I'm going back, but. Uh, I think the first thing I have to have is the crime. And uh, that's usually how my stories in my, when I'm starting to write, I have to know who's going to die and why they're going to die. And, <laughs> and, so, and, and I mull that around for a little while. And then the characters begin to uh, uh, talk to me. And uh, so uh, I have to find out uh what their arc, character arc is going to be. That's one thing I have to know. And, uh, but also, and since it is romantic suspense, I have to know the why they should be together and why not they should be together. Uh, if, if they, if I, I don't think I've started a story where they were together and I had to say, well, why shouldn't they be together and make them tear them apart. But most yeah. of the time they, uh, they are, uh, have just, met or they've known each other in the past okay Uh, so most of my books do not end in a proposal because most they my books happen over a four-day period a lot of times (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so it's kind of too early yeah but uh, but I usually give a promise of a I always give a promise of a happily ever after right yeah I like that in this book where um things happen at the end that you're like, okay, that's totally believable. It wouldn't have been believable if you had done it a different way, but right. your choices, you were like, yeah, I totally get that. I'm happy. I'm a happy yeah. reader now. 
Yeah. It, it, if they've known each other in the past, which she, uh, uh, Rachel did, but it's still, they did not have enough past for it to be, um, they just needed, they need more time together. Yeah. Before they make it, before people make it, before they make a commitment. And I think we really have to be careful, right, as writers of that, because very few times do people meet and four days later, they're asking someone to marry them. <laughs> That's right. I think I know one person who um, my friend's cousin's uncle, I don't know, something like that, yeah. who um, went on one of those widower's cruises, you know, for yeah. 60s and 70 year olds and proposed at the end of the seven day period. And everybody was like, oh, wow, what? That really happened? <laughs> Thank you. You don't know somebody. <laughs> he could be. A psychopath. <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but see, isn't that what we like to think about yeah. as writers? What if what? What if, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. when you when you start with the crime, do you uh do you look for uh headlines or um how do you how do you choose what you might work on as the problem. Yeah, I ask because this last book, I mean, I don't know if I've read your other books, but um, this one's fresh on my mind because I just finished it a couple of days ago. And I was, I was really impressed with how um, complex the intricacies, you know, woven together were. Uh, boy, when I signed the contract for the Memphis series, I knew that one of the books had to be an Elvis book, a tribute to Elvis. I mean, I grew up there I, I never met him. I never went to Graceland, but I do have a picture of me when I was very young, standing in front of his house, the very first house he bought for his parents. I mean, Elvis was just, he was, he was our hometown boy, <laughs> even though he didn't, wasn't born there, but he, he went to school there and he grew up. And so it was, um, I don't know, I just knew that. And so well, I can't kill Elvis, but <laughs> how about if, Elvis impersonators are start showing up dead or someone trying to murder them. And so, and the story really wasn't working for me until um, I went back because of Shirley, who is the psychopath. Right. Um, I don't know. I had a real hard time getting in her head, mainly because I didn't really want to go that dark. And yeah. so I then I and but the story just said forty thousand words. It just it's like I hit a wall, and I'm thinking, okay, we're, what what's going on here? And yeah. I realized I didn't. I really didn't know Shirley. I didn't know how she thought. So then I began to research. I have a couple of psych, psychologists, psychiatrists, friends, and I talked to them. I did a lot of research online, and I came over and upon a. a, a an interview with a, a doctor and it's actually part of it's in the book and where how do you know how you, to know if you think like a psychopath oh and so and there's this little quiz and it's in I put it in the book because and, and it's like okay how do you know you want how would you know if you think like a psychopath so when people I'll ask people that and I say well how and I say well it's the way you answer this question you're at your mother's funeral and you meet this really good looking guy and he takes your number and says, I'll call you. Well, a week goes by and he doesn't call you. So you kill your sister. Why did you kill your sister? And so people look at me and they'll say, because she's dating. No, 
And so that's not the way a sign. That's not why a psychopath would. And they finally give up. And I say, well, so she can see him again. He'll come to the funeral. <laughs> and yeah, but it, but that told me it's all about them. Yeah, a psychopath is very narcissistic, and everything revolves around. And once I had that in my head, uh, I was able. And, and that's when I did the scene where she goes to her aunt to steal the the insulin to kill another guy, Ellis impersonator. Right. And she thinks about killing her aunt, but then decides not to because it would be inconvenient to her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and, but that, that to me, that, that showed that was, I was able to show because it's some of the things she did. Normal people wouldn't do. Yeah. So I needed to set up why she did the things she did. Yeah. And it was because it, it all revolved around her. And she thought she was smarter than anyone else. Right. I mean, she really thought she was. I mean, she'd already gotten away with other murders. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I really was impressed. And I'm going to be careful not to say too much because yeah. I was very. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was very happy to get to the last couple of chapters and I had narrowed it down to two people. <laughs> And I was thrilled that I picked the wrong one because it's always nice when, you, when you're not smarter than the story. Actually, it almost was the one I'm sure you were going to pick. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a very good reason for her being the one. And, and actually, it, and when the book started out, she was the one. Oh. And, but, but then right away, I decided that I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was a really fun book to read. I really enjoyed it. Was it was fun to write. It, after, I, after I hit the wall, it was fun right. to write. <laughs> well, if you don't mind, can we talk a little bit more about that, those, the, the problems that you encounter in a draft? I think oh, that it might be okay. helpful for listeners. Um, one of the things that I have not heard very many authors be able to articulate well, and perhaps it's just something that isn't easy to articulate and we'll just, we'll just leave it. But um, the whole idea of um, red herrings or trying to make, trying to make it that the reader isn't guessing until at least the last chapter, the correct person, but without leading them astray and making them angry with the way that you did it. Do you have any methods that you've, you try to stick to yourself or? I think that comes, for me, it comes naturally because I don't outline. Uh -huh. um, I do go through James Scott Bell's superstructure with the signpost. Yeah, I do that. And, uh, but I don't always know who did it. <laughs> A couple of my books I have gotten to the reveal, especially the one I'm in particular I'm thinking about is Gone Without a Trace. Let's see. No, Promise to Protect. A Promise to Protect. I got to, I was writing the reveal chapter and I got halfway down the page and I said, this can't be, no, this isn't working. And it, I had to go back and add, beef up the, I hate the other, the, the, the villain was in there, yeah. but I need, I had to beef up his part so that it was logical. And I, and I always want there, if you, you, you almost, I always try to make it where you can guess the, the, the villain. Yeah. Because um, there needs to be enough clues that are hidden that the reader can go back. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so um, wow, that okay. I'm even more impressed that you're not a plotter and you write mysteries. That's amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I will plot 
a little bit of a head, like after, oops, cat, quit, you're chewing my thing. <laughs> I will plot, um, uh, I, after we get through, I will, I'm, I'm, I've got 5,000 words on the new book and I'm almost over 6,000 and I'm going to the end of the first act. My first acts are usually very short and the middle is more and then the ending, but, uh, and I'm going to plot out what happens next. And that's what I do. I will get, I will sit and I'll figure out, I'll write to a certain point and think, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> so I will, I will plot out uh, a few chapters ahead. And like right. I said, and I also use, I'm, I'm writing to James Scott Bell's signpost that he has, which okay. that is a, that's an awesome book. Yeah, I don't know if I have that one or not. I interviewed Jim about his writing from the middle book. Right. Um, well, this I, one is it is it's it's more. I it has the middle in there, mm -hmm. and I have that one as well. But oh, there it is. Oh, <laughs> go Jim. <laughs> yeah, go Jim. So I'm. That's what I'm. I'm. I'm going to. I always. I get it out and I look again at a signpost. I actually have them. I have a folder in Scrivener that has the signposts, and that's where I usually go and 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 figure out where I'm going next. All right. Well, that is really interesting. I have to say, I, I don't see myself necessarily writing any mysteries, but I like putting mystery elements in my stories. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I don't always want the villain to be perfectly obvious from page one. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't, I haven't heard anybody articulate in a way that I felt like I could try writing something because I didn't understand how they were pulling things together. But now I'm thinking about what you said. I don't know if this is what you're doing, but it's making me think, oh, I could try this. And I'm um, just verbalizing my thoughts in case somebody listening is like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Um, but I was just thinking, so maybe what you do is you're writing the scene about the psychopath or the murderer or whoever it is. Um, and you're not writing their name. You're just writing the scene with them. And so that's how you don't know necessarily who it is. Yeah, that's right. That's what I, with, especially with, uh, oh, and Silence in the Dark was the same way. Oh. Uh, not Silence in the Dark, Justice Delayed. It was the same way. Um, I was writing, I mean, and I have the, 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 the person who possibly, I mean, there are, my, my books have a lot of characters, yeah. which, but which if you've got red herrings, you have to have enough characters for people to think it could be this one or it could be that one. Right. And so, and, and so as I'm writing, uh, I'm writing along on justice delayed and all of a sudden I write who did the actual murder. And I said, Oh, you're the one. <laughs> but, but all along the, I was writing the scenes. I just didn't name them. Right. And that way it can be, that way it can be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the way that it, at least, you know, for sure in justice betrayed the one that I've read, mm -hmm. I really loved how you kind of wove things together where you're like, oh, okay, that's why you didn't know, but then it totally makes sense when you find mm -hmm. out and it makes sense that she made that decision and did that thing. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Wow. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> Definitely makes her scarier because without saying any, I'm not going to say why makes yeah. it scarier. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking that too. And I, also, and I write for, and I, and I do try to write three-dimensional villains that, especially when you don't know who they are, yeah. they need to be personable on the page. I mean, the, the character had, I mean, we all have these criminal intentions inside us. Yeah, yeah. To a degree, you know, most of us don't act on them. Yeah. Uh, I, and doing my research, I read a lot of people, there are a lot of psychopaths out there, psychopaths and sociopaths who do not commit murder. Wow. I they can know. be aggressive business people or just, uh, you know, they, they, they have the tendencies. They don't have, they don't have a lot of empathy for people, Yeah, but these things enable them to get ahead in life. Interesting. So, and I learned yeah. that, not all narcissists are psychopaths or sociopaths, but all sociopaths and, and psychopaths are narcissists oh, because it's all about them. Yeah. I have to admit, one of the things that has kept me away from um, doing more research so that I could write something believable is that the, the books that my friends are reading, you know, uh, The Psychopath Next Door or whatever, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I would never sleep again if I was reading three <laughs> or four of these books. I actually know a couple of, I tend to, I'll usually call them narcissists, but I still think, I think, given the right circumstances, <laughs> they oh. could be. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I have to say just as a writing exercise, you're really making me want to just like go write some and also make sure that I murder somebody and start to yeah. feel a little bit better about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, it's much easier to, for me to kill them off than to get them together. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that you'll, I, I think that you said before we started recording that you are currently also writing for Harlequin as well no, as I did write. I was writing. I wrote two heartwarming books for them. Oh yeah. And only reason I did not write anymore is they wouldn't let me have a body. Oh, you so, know what? That's how I know your name. I think I've read maybe one or yeah. both of those. Yeah. 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 I love heartwarming. They, that is, that is a sweet romance. And, uh, if it's just not my thing, I am working on a cozy mystery yeah. set on the Mississippi river in current times on a nice. steamboat, a paddle boat. Wow. I, uh, I'm, uh, after I finish the book I'm working on now, and before I start the next one for Ravel, I'm all, uh, it's outlined. This is one of the few books I have outlined, and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna write it. Nice, because I love I like the mystery aspect, and I like the the lighter. I, a cozy has a more conversational and and not so intense. I I think I would like just for a, uh, one book anyway to kind of be a little more laid back a little bit everything not be so intense <laughs> right right not necessarily have people about to be murdered everywhere right, all, all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say that I have an idea that I'm just going to have to write it sometime because yeah. for one thing I've, I've got a whole bunch of people now asking me about it uh, when we lived in New Zealand last year I went to this fabulous church and they had this wonderful women's group that met every week and I got to know these just really fabulous funny so funny. These women were so funny. 
and also like um, delightfully faith-filled too. And I just really connected with them on multiple levels. But it was really interesting when we would occasionally have time to go out to lunch together or something. And, and we would come up with these ridiculous ideas that I'm like, if anybody knew we were a bunch of church ladies <laughs> up this stuff and I came up with this murder mystery idea where we find a dead body and you know one of them's husband works for the government and one of them's high up in the police force which is actually true I'm like you guys I can't use real events and real people but oh, you can <laughs> I might have to. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in a restaurant with a police detective from Memphis one time discussing how people get away from with murder. Oh. And the people on either side of us would just oh. look. <laughs> right. <laughs> and another time I was at a restaurant with a writer friend and we were uh, plotting her. We were working on, she had hit the wall and we were trying to work through that and, and, we were finishing up and a lady, we, there was a little window right above where we sat uh, and that, that divided where we sat with the other dining room. And she came and stuck her head in the window and she said, I know y'all must be writers because nothing like that would happen in this town. <laughs> we didn't even realize we were talking that loud. Oh, that's awesome. I have heard um, people, I've only heard third and fourth hand accounts, but um, do you ever wonder if you might get a, a visit by the FBI for the sorts oh, of things you Google? Okay, I bet they have, with what I research, I research <laughs> gun running, I research blowing up cars, I research <laughs> how to make bombs, poison. Yeah, I figure they've got a dossier on me. <laughs> yeah. If they if they're checking my read my search tabs, yep. Yeah. Now the, there there's an interesting story, you know. Can someone who looks as sweet and nice as you actually, you know, be hiding hidden, you know, yeah. psychopathic, sociopathic tendencies? That would and then the government investigates. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I may I may have to go there. <laughs> Oh, wow. This is fun. Now, um, tell me, I think that I have this right. Um, we are recording two days before the interview goes live. So everybody will be listening to this on Thursday, the okay. 7th. Um, but you and I are talking on Tuesday, June 5th. And is it right. today release day for you? Today is release day. I was just writing a newsletter to send out. I had forgotten that. Because <laughs> uh, there are quite a few giveaways. I'm giving away. Uh, I, I, I'm on quite a few blogs. I'm on the Suspense Sisters and How to Write a Novel with Susan May Warren and Rachel Hawk. And I have my own mystery blog. I have a mystery question every Tuesday. And there are four scenarios that three of them are true and one's false and my readers get to guess which one is the one I made up and wow this week it's on uh a lot of times it's just stupid criminals a lot <laughs> of times it is an actual crime and but this week it's on criminals who want to be caught and the dumb things that, and, and, and what amazes me is that three of these things criminals have actually done. Oh, so it's, you know, it just amazes me how stupid people can be sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And how they, how they do keep from getting caught. Yeah. The first time I heard about the Darwin Awards, you know, stupid people who do stupid things yeah. and end up dying. I was like, at first I was really offended that somebody was making light of people dying, but then yeah. I would read them and I'm like, yeah. I understand why people are writing about it. 
Yeah, most of my stupid criminal ones, no one dies. But now sometimes I do have, I find an old crime. In fact, I have a book with a lot of uh, crimes in it that I will take one of them and break it down. And there will be part of the the crime that I made up and the rest of it is actually true. And then, and there, and a lot of times I'll see if they can, I'll leave it for them to try to solve the crime. How did the police solve this? Yeah. So it's, that, it's a lot of fun doing that. It takes a little bit of time, but um, I seem to be growing readership on my blog from that. That's fabulous. Yeah. It's, it does seem like, um, I mean, like I said, I was really impressed with how complex uh, justice betrayed was and all the all the pieces a lot of pieces from a lot of years interwoven together and just a regular size not two you know um, two thousand pages or anything um, and uh, where was I going with that thought um, mystery questions miss yeah <laughs> but um so so there's a lot of stuff that people can get off your blog just as readers who are interested or um right. probably it would be helpful to budding mystery writers as well just to read i have uh, occasionally i do blogs on on writing i do them on, on uh uh let's see it's how to write a novel by susan may warren you go to uh, susan may warren's uh website and she has a blog and i appear there once a month on there and then sometimes on suspense sisters i talk about writing and sometimes on my blog i i used to talk on my blog a lot about writing but i have a lot of just readers now there so i'm not talking as much about writing there and on friday i have what i call reader friday and i i um review a book oh okay and uh it's just one i've read and then at the end of the month i give away a book out of my library my person and then sometimes I give one of mine away it's just different things yeah I'm trying to reduce my books <laughs> right I have quite a few yeah if I weren't moving around so much my library would be vast in the kit tablets aren't the tablets wonderful I am so happy yeah yeah <laughs> this is probably one of my best birthdays ever i had yeah. um i had a i had a big birthday this year i had my 50th so uh-huh. um, i'll tell you how old i am <laughs> 52 oh, how about that 21 <laughs> <laughs> so it was fun that um you know it, it, people people kind of spoil you more you know if it's yeah. a big day I got so many Amazon gift cards, or um, I would really? tell people the actual ebooks that I wanted, knowing yeah. that I was going to be moving to Sweden within a few weeks. And um, oh my gosh, it was so great! I would wake up on my birthday, and there's all these emails about these fabulous books that now are on my Kindle. Yes. Oh. Oh, I love to read. I do too. I always have. Do you? I even, read? I even read now while I'm writing. Yeah. The way so, I unwind at night. Yeah, that me too. Me too. Now I know a lot of writers um, have strong opinions about whether they do or don't read in their genre while they're actually in the first draft, making it up phase, so they don't accidentally pull something from someplace else. What's your process? How do you? Uh, it just depends. I, I don't really have a problem with that because my books are a little different from what I some of what I read, I read a lot of cozies and a lot of times I can see a technique that a writer uses that, you know, it's okay to steal a technique, but yeah. not the idea. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you, you see how, how they actually do it. So I've I really never had a problem with that. Uh, I write in my own voice and 
Um, I think you could tell if I was borrowing someone else's. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's what my earlier thought was about, is that it seems like um, with the kinds of stories that you have, you probably uh, do a lot of research. I do. I do a lot of research. Uh, right now, well, I'm having to research Natchez a lot because I've, I didn't grow up there like I yeah. did with all my other books. And um, I'm researching, uh, I actually, one character, his father is the first secret, second secretary to the ambassador of London in oh, London. Wow. And so I had researched that and, you know, because I didn't really want the dad there and I, but I didn't want him dead. Cause I, you know, you write so many orphan stories, you know, <laughs> yeah. no so I just wanted him out, the, the fam, the mother and daddy out picture because I have the grandmother. He's, uh, he's involved with his grandmother and, and plus it's, uh, uh that's part of his character arc. The, the hero's character arc is his relationship with his dad. Okay. But I, but I've had to research, you know, how, how do you get to be that? <laughs> yeah. And just, and, and I'm always researching how to kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a book this, on poisons. <laughs> I was just going to say, I have this great book on poisons. We probably yeah. own the same book. Yeah. Yeah. And guns. <laughs> In fact, but I, now the, the, I, I also belong to crime scene writers. Ah. Awesome. Awesome site. They will answer any question that you have. Okay, good to know. I will put a note for the uh, yeah. the people who go to the show notes. I'll make a link. Right. It's it's I'll, I'll I'll I can send it to you. It's crime okay. scene writers, and um, Lee. Let's see, Lee Laughlin's there. It's actually what he's. Have you been? I, I went to the the police academy. Citizen, oh. The citizens, the novelist police academy, writers yeah. police academy. Once I want to go back. Wow. And, uh, but there are uh, several coroners there. And uh, this is it's just a really neat site. Wow. Um, my friend Janice Cantori writes Romantic yes. Suspense for Tyndale. Uh, and she was telling me, of course, I mean, she used to be a police officer, but mm -hmm. she was talking about the uh, Novelist Police Academy or Writers uh, Police. Yeah, whatever. It's Writers Police Academy. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I went when it was in South Carolina, I think, North or South Carolina. It's, one of the Carolinas. Wow. And it was really neat. It was a good, I learned a lot and got to meet some really nice people. I think Carrie Stewart Parks is going to be there this year and I would give anything to go, but she's <laughs> also going to be at ACFW, American Christian Fiction Writers Conference. Cool. So I'll get to connect with her there. She's also teaching a coffin class on forensic artists. Oh. And that's, you know, you have to keep learning. Yeah. I take a lot of classes. It's good to hear that because um, sometimes people, let's say maybe my husband, <laughs> he's like, have you finished taking classes yet? I'm mm. like, no, not really. <laughs> no. Uh, Alicia Rasley has really good, she has some really good classes, but her website is real good. And um, I, I've done one on emotions with her and um, the one on characters, I mean, uh, conflict, CM, CM, conflict, motivation. Oh, conflict, goal, motivation. Yeah. See, yeah. GMC. Yeah. There yeah, you there go. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Goal, motivation, conflict. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, 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 really, it helps. I mean, it's a refresher. It reminds yeah. you of what you're supposed to be, right. you know, because a lot of times you'll get caught up in your own writing and you'll forget, oh, I need to tell, I need, they, I need, and that's what had happened. With Shirley, 
I really didn't know why she did what she did yeah. so much. And I had not even written the opening scene when I hit 40,000 words. And that's when I went back and wrote that opening scene with her. Oh, wow. That was yeah. really, it's not until later that you realize that it's chilling rather than, because I was totally on her side. I'm like, absolutely, yeah. you poor thing. Yeah. And then later I was like, oh, <laughs> Okay, maybe you might be overreacting now. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, Patricia, this has been so much fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. And, and so many uh, great ideas that yeah. you know, I and my listeners can, can try ourselves. So thanks for that. Thanks. It's been fun. I, I, I can sit down and talk writing anytime. <laughs> Well, we may have to do that again. Yeah. So the book you're working on now, will that come out next year or the year after that? Year after that. The book that will come out next year is on human trafficking. It's probably the oh. hardest one I've written. And yeah. it's written, the heroine was actually trafficked for eight years. Oh. And uh, uh, it's it, it, it was hard. I worked with um, an organization in Mississippi called Advocates for Freedom and we're trying to get a house to house uh, women who have been rescued because, or especially teenagers, because you can't mainstream them because they have been through too much and that you, you can't put them with teenagers who haven't. Uh, it's just, it, and the part, most of them have been on drugs and a lot of them go back to what they were in because it's what they, they don't want to, but it's yeah. what they know. Yeah, but just I mean that I think this was, but a lady came to our church that I'm working with now, and I I had no idea about human trafficking until she came, and it was like that's when the book the idea for the book came, and I knew I had to write it. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I'm I'm glad I did. We didn't talk about Aaron in the book. Uh, Aaron, she's the little. uh, she is. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, she'll be in she, the next book. No, she's not. But she oh. is an actual person. Oh, well, tell us a little bit about her. Okay. I I had no idea why I put uh, a mentally challenged person in the book. It was just like one well, that it, it came naturally, organically, they say. And then I was talking to my friend. I, well, actually, I knew I have a friend whose daughter was... I knew that she was like had problems, and so I emailed her. And when I told her that I was putting a, a girl, I didn't hadn't even named her. Well, her daughter's name is Erin, and we talked. And Erin, her brother is brilliant, and she was telling, relating to me how one time she said, "Mama, why, why am I not special? I mean, why, why can't, why can't I do things?" And, and it was like, well, this will make her special. So, uh, I don't know. It just, I knew then why I put her in. It was just, that was another God thing. Yeah. So, so, her, so she knows she's in a book. She knows she's in a book <laughs> and she's actually going to get to read it. She she reads and she's going to get to, or her mother will read it to her, but her mama's going to buy her that necklace, that guitar. Really? Thing. Yeah. She's going to find one and get it for her. Oh, that is so sweet. I love it. Yeah. 
Oh. So and and one the I think RT the review on RT talked about how she was a real person seemed like a real person yeah just I, I, that made me cry so that was good I think it was the best review I ever got oh yeah that was another thing that um in fact she seemed so realistic to me mm-hmm. that I didn't even think about her as being a character that might not normally be in, in a book, you know, having mm-hmm. someone who has uh, mental challenges. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, she just seemed totally exactly what. Uh, and, and the real Erin has, she loves shoes and jewelry. <laughs> nice. So she will recognize herself. That's awesome. She's going to love it. Yeah, I think so. And she can't wait to tell her brother. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but they were, you know, because but because so many negative things have happened, they don't want to tell him until the they didn't want to tell him until the book actually came out because something could happen. Right. So, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Where can people find you? You've um, mentioned a lot of blogs, and I'm going to try to find them all yeah. and link to them. As you know. I will send you the links. Oh, thank you. So. Um, uh, in general, how about you and your books uh, personally? Uh, I'm on uh, ptbradley.com, and um, on the blog you will find you'll find a page for my books, mm-hmm. and uh, and the ptbradley's slash forward slash blog will take you to. I write two blogs a week, and I am I've been doing that. I've, you know, at first I was sporadic, but now. I do it every week. I have two blogs. Wow. And I usually, and I give away a book. I give away two books a, a, a month, sometimes more if I'm really wanting to move some books out of my library. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I give my own, sometimes I give away a gift card. Yeah. But, um, and people get to guess of uh, what, what the crime is, it's what answer it is. I mean, it doesn't count if you're wrong. If you just leave a comment, you get entered in the contest. Oh, well, that works even better. (laughs) And I'm also on the Suspense Sisters and trying to think. Oh, Heartwarming. I'm on the Heartwarming blog. I do a blog there once a month. Wonderful. Wow. I have to say I'm very impressed about all of your blogging and still getting your books done on time. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, it's just, most of the time it's one a month. I do, except for mine, I, all the others are usually one a month. Yeah. Which usually you can do that. I mean, it's a matter of that you, you decide you have to. Yeah, that's true. It's just part of your calendar. Yeah. It's just one of those things. Yeah. Well, this has been great fun. Yeah. Thank you. It has. I've enjoyed it.